All right. So our cold open this week are songs that we think should be officially retired from film. Jerseys hung in the rafters. Never to come down again. Yeah. Uh, We're basing this off of not just the fact that we're watching Midnight Cowboy and everybody's talking is an overused song in film, but also because it's 1969. Nice. Butch hmm. Cass. Thank you. Uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid also comes out this year and has the raindrops keep falling. And mm. Easy Rider comes out this year, which has Born to Be Wild, hmm. which is absolutely <laughs> on my list. <laughs> Indeed. So, who wants to open us up with songs they wish would get retired? Chris, why don't you do it so that we don't steal your stuff? All right. Well, I'm the new guy. So, uh, one that I came up with was it's in one particular Ghibli movie, and that is uh, Country Road. Have you guys ever seen Whisper uh, of the Heart? Yeah. It's literally yeah. in there like five, seven times. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, uh, the, then the two songs I came up with was Sweet Home Alabama and uh, Fortunate Son. Please stop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I understand yeah. the tie to Vietnam movies and needing to play Fortunate Son, but fucking stop it. Yeah. Can we? It's, it's yeah. not that I hate the songs either. It's just <laughs> stop using them in movies. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can, I can, I can tolerate Fortunate Son in small doses if it's like an unexpected parody where it pops out of nowhere for a second and then disappears. But mostly on like TikTok videos or something. But in, in film, absolutely, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. If it comes on the radio, I'll listen to any credence. But the moment yeah, yeah. the moment I hear the, the twang from Fortunate Son in a movie, I'm just like, <laughs> all right, I guess we're doing this now. Yeah. Welcome to Vietnam. <laughs> 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 or or welcome to somebody who doesn't understand the meaning of this song and is using it uh, unironically as you know, American yeah. patriotism. Yeah. I do love Whisper of the Heart, but I, I agree with that song too. Yeah, it's not to go too far into it, it's it's more of an okay movie for me, but that song is like every minute yeah. <laughs> they can yeah. stick it in there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'll take the next one. Okay. So the first one I got is uh, Flight of the Valkyries. Just because something's flying does not mean that needs to get fucking played. <laughs> and yeah. that's another one of those, like, especially because of, like, uh, what is it, Apocalypse Now? Mm-hmm. So anytime you got helicopters, which makes me just think, pretty much everything that's on the Watchmen soundtrack I think is an overused song in film. I, I feel that's 100% correct. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. My next one is one I probably stole from Paul, but I know we both agree from on Freebird needs to fucking die. Um, oh yeah, yep. And a long time ago, all along the Watchtower, which was to be another Watchmen which was also in Watchmen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So basically, like I said, the the Watchmen soundtrack is <laughs> just every any song that's on there, it just needs to get retired for forever. Yeah. Except the. Uh, Except the Bob Dylan song that would, which Bob Dylan song did he open with again? Uh, times they are changing. That I don't hear that, that on a lot of you, things. Yeah, that's true. That was well, actually also, a really good use of that. Song. I don't know if it was actually in the movie, but I know in the trailer, the end is the beginning is the end is a song that I love. Yeah. So yeah, that was a really good use in that trailer. And yeah. I mean, considering that was from another DC movie, that's yeah, that's <laughs> a really good like 
callback too. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, Zach. Okay. Well, I've, uh, I've got, you know, the blue Danube waltz, you know, any slow motion in space does not need to reference that song. That's fair. Um, bittersweet symphony. I don't know that I've really seen it in too many, uh, movies, but just God, there was a while in the early two thousands where it was in everything. Yeah. It's like every motivational commercial or anything. <laughs> even my own dear to my heart Seahawks. They had it as like their anthem for the 2006 season. So every at the start of every game, they'd use bittersweet symphony. It's like, OK, it's not even a pump and, up song. What the fuck? <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, And my last one might be a little controversial. You know, all these are are classic and good songs for a reason but they've just been and, and it's just to say that head. yeah a lot of these aren't to yeah. say that we don't like these songs except freebird which sucks um, yeah yeah um, i kind of like it <laughs> <laughs> I, I like it to hear maybe once every couple years at most yeah it's like, their way <laughs> yeah it's it, it's just one of those things like if these songs come on the radio a lot of times i'm not turning the channel but as soon as i see them right. in a movie i'm like you 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 pick this because you heard it in another movie. Pick a yeah. different song. Yeah. Yep. But my uh, last one is the Rough Riders theme. That's okay. Cool. I, I, right? I, I, I just... think so. No, I'm thinking something else. There's a classic old mo- song I was thinking earlier that just pops up all the time. About horses. About horses, maybe? Or... I don't okay. know. Goodbye, <laughs> <laughs> There's a song that it's bugging me, and I'm I'm gonna think of it way later. But no, Sarah could no Sarah Jessica Parker joke. <laughs> she doesn't deserve a song. She's not that good. She's not we, fast we, enough. We need to stop these Sarah Jessica Parker jokes. No, we don't. <laughs> not, they're not funny. <laughs> You're not funny. <laughs> that that's those things aren't mutually exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what you got, Paul? Well, it's real funny because uh, Fortunate Son was brought up and Freebird was brought up. And uh, Jonathan, what was your other one? Uh, all Along the Watchtower. All Along the Watchtower got brought up. Uh, I believe all of those are used in one movie. Forrest Gump. The entire Forrest Gump soundtrack yeah. oh. can just burn in fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> I actually own that on CD. I used somewhere. to own it on CD. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I realized we'll we'll get around to me hating on yeah. this soundtrack one more time later on. But for now, every single song out there, Hound Dog, uh, Fortunate <laughs> Son, Respect, uh, uh, for what it's worth. I was trying to think of the the Norman Greenbaum song, Spirit in the Sky. Like, mm, no, yeah. Rebel Rousers. Uh, Everybody's Talking is on the Forrest Gump soundtrack. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, he, it is just the most hack soundtrack. Uh, the other soundtrack that pretty much the moment this film started, and it's very fitting that I'm going to bring this up now, and it just kind of happened this way because we thought about this uh this topic of a few weeks ago and i'll i'll get to why in a second um <laughs> the other soundtrack i think is just absolutely terrible and is hack as shit is the suicide squad the david ayer version okay mm-hmm. which starts out with like house of the rising sun yeah and uh <laughs> just uh you don't own me and like it's so bad. Every 
every needle drop in that Suicide Squad movie is terrible. I need somebody to like <laughs> do the Rasputina. You don't own me. Okay. Then I'd be okay with it. But I just need more Rasputina in my life. Uh, Fortunate Son is also in the Suicide Squad soundtrack. Oh, of course. And in Forrest There was Scott. a helicopter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Spirit in the Sky is also on the Suicide Squad soundtrack. It's They're the most hacked <laughs> soundtracks. <laughs> you must have just watched Forrest Gump. Yep. Uh, also Super Freak. Um, so I, we came up with this topic a few weeks ago because the teaser trailer to um, He-Man Revelation Masters of the Universe Revelations. That's right. Yeah. Dropped. Yeah. And Bonnie Tyler's holding on for a hero was in the trailer. And it was the most hack fucking thing I'd ever seen. And I was so mad I could not enjoy the trailer. Because if I have to hear that goddamn song and one more thing, <laughs> I'm going to didn't like I am a, going to murder Jim Steinman for writing it. Didn't like a day later something else came out, a trailer with that song in it? Yeah. Yeah, and I don't even remember what it was. I, yeah. just, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, so it was in. It's been in Chip commercials and other movies, and <laughs> it's like I love the Footloose soundtrack. It's one of my favorite soundtracks. I grew up with it, and I know every single line to that song. But if I see it in one more commercial or movie, I'm coming for you, Jim Steinman. It's over. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Oh God, what was it in? I can't. I can't <laughs> it's, remember because <it's>, <laughs> I, I know it was like the crazy. next fucking day. Yep. You want to talk about a movie? Let's talk about a movie. Yeah, let's do it. Beautiful people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Workman. I'm Jonathan Pierce. And I'm Zach McCoy. And Jonathan, please let us know who that wonderful voice we heard in our opening was. Yeah, this is my friend, Chris. Chris, say hi. Hey, what's up? Nice to have you. Welcome. Yeah, I always wanted to be on, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you are. Yes. So blase about it again. <laughs> I guess. I was just wasting my time. <laughs> and we are your Oscar Grouches. Welcome back to the Oscar Worsty Podcast, a show where we discuss Oscar winners throughout history and try to determine where the Academy went wrong, if they went wrong, and what film are we watching this week? Zach? Nope. Jonathan? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Today we're watching Midnight Cowboy. A movie about just a gigolo that really didn't have nobody. Except Rain Man. <laughs> yeah, he didn't I'll have to say, I really like the use of just a gigolo in, uh, in uh, the Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad. That was really, yep. really well done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is this everybody's first time seeing this movie? Yes. Yep. Yes, actually. Oh, I'm the only one. Oh, okay. really? Uh, well, I, I saw it during the uh during the AFI, AFI watch so yeah yep. i think it was number 69 nice <laughs> really i i actually don't know i'd have to look that up i just thought it's <laughs> hold on now i gotta look okay make no, sure you look at the 98 list and not the 2008 list because they are different 
The 69 was Shane! Shane! <laughs> what was our Midnight Cowboy at? 36. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Okay, well, uh, let's do an Oscar breakdown. Break it down! Okay. It is a breezy April 7th, 1970. We are still coming out of the Dor- Dorothy Chandler Pavilion in Los Angeles, California, and we are on our second year, Sans Host. Oh. Our most nominated film on the night is Anne of the Thousand Days. And our most awarded film on the night is Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yay. Huh. Uh, and this was the first uh, Academy Award ceremony intended to be broadcast via satellite worldwide, but... A lot of people just weren't interested. So, oh, <laughs> say Sputnik or something bombed it. I don't know. <laughs> um, all right. So, our best picture, of course, is Midnight Cowboy, which beats Anne of the Thousand Days, Butch Cassidy, and the Sundance Kid. Hello, Dolly and Zed. Uh, our best director goes to John Schlesinger for Midnight Cowboy. Our best actor. Goes to John Wayne for True Grit. Only his third ever nomination, his first ever win. And I have to assume it is an apology from the Academy for giving Midnight Cowboy Best Picture, in which he is referred to as the (laughs) F-slur. Wow. (laughs) I don't know that's true. I just I made that up with my mind. So it's canon now. Yeah. Uh, but he does beat out both Dustin Hoffman and Angelina Jolie's father, John Voight, for Midnight Cowboy. Man, you really see that in this movie, don't you? Yeah, you sure do. <laughs> I hadn't looked at a recent picture, but I saw somebody who was like, oh, he looks just like Brad and Angelina's eldest or something. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'll have to double check that. All right. Our best actress goes to Dame Maggie Smith for the prime of Miss Jean Brody. Yeah. Oh, hell uh, yeah. Jane Maggie Smith. All the kids out there listening probably know her best from her celebrated British role in the... Uh, Downton Abbey. I was going to say the Robert Altman film. <laughs> then I forgot the name of it. It just fell right out of my head. It was, it was also written by... Oh, jeez. I screwed up my own joke. I can't believe I screwed up my own really? joke. <laughs> What's the, what's the name of the fucking movie? Gosford Park. Oh. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I watched that when I was very small. All the kids love it. Yeah. It uh, it works, though, because uh, it's it's the same writer. Julian Fellows also wrote Downton Abbey. Nice. Um, I just remember that from that year, Maggie Smith was sitting, and I'm not kidding you when I say this, was sitting right next to Will and Jada Pinkett Smith at the Oscars. And I think Billy Crystal was hosting. It was like, oh, I see the Smith families all together. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Wonderful. Uh, okay. Now that I'm done screwing up my own joke, uh, Gig Young gets Best Supporting Actor for They Shoot Horses, Don't They? Uh, beating out the greatest actor of all time, Jack Nicholson for Easy Rider. Uh, Best Supporting Actress goes to Goldie Hawn for Cactus Flower. Huh. Wow. Yeah, I but you know. didn't know Goldie Hawn was an Oscar winner. I actually I did. didn't. I did not. Well, I'm glad I could let you know. Thank you. Yeah. Look at you. Look at me. And she beats out Sylvia Miles playing Cass in Midnight Cowboy. Uh, best story and a screenplay based on material not previously published or produced 
a very easy title for an award goes to Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Congratulations, William Goldman. Uh, best screenplay based on another material from another medium goes to Midnight Cowboy. So congratulations, Waldo Salt. Uh, daughter plays Crazy Annie. Oh, okay. In the film. Mm. Uh, best documentary feature goes to Arthur Rubenstein, The Love of Life. Aw. Best documentary short subject goes to Czechoslovakia, 1968. The whole country. The whole country oh, just got the Award. Uh, best live action short subject goes to The Magic Machines. Best short subject cartoons goes to It's Tough to Be a Bird, which is a Walt Disney animated film uh, directed by Ward Kimball. I was kind of hoping that it was right. a specific uh, cartoon character so we could ask you how our resident cartoon expert, Caitlin McCoy, feels about it. Because we haven't oh, done that in a while. Yeah. Uh, best. Score for a motion picture, parentheses, not a musical, in parentheses, goes to Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and also brings us to our podcast within a podcast, John Williams Oscar Watch. Uh, John Williams loses this, uh, this category for his film, The Reavers. I don't know that soundtrack. I don't either. Uh, but he's not done. He also loses oh. best score of a musical picture, original or adaptation for Goodbye, Mr. Chips, which we may all remember as the film that took best actor for Clark, from Clark Gable in 1939 when he was up for Gone with the Wind. That's right. Giving it to Robert Donah. Oh, Painter Wagon lost too. It sure did. And they both lose to Hello, Dolly. <laughs> gonna paint your wagon. Gonna paint it fine. Gonna use an oil based paint because the wood is pine. <laughs> um, so I also did Hello, Dolly uh, as my sophomore musical in high school. Yay! We color, cover Oliver last week which I was in, and yeah. then I was in this. Did anybody else watch Hello, Dolly this week? Yeah. Uh, did you? I, oh, my God. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I, I played uh, the character who's trying to marry Walter Matthau's niece when, oh. I was in, when I was in it in high school. Okay, that except, guy, yeah. Except the dude in this is like, Two feet taller than the woman he's trying to marry. He's just the lankiest motherfucker I've ever seen. He's like seven foot tall. He's like four foot nine. (laughs) And that dude was like 80% legs too. I swear. His legs just started at his shoulders. Same with like Kalidas too. Yeah. (laughs) He was freaking huge. (laughs) Yeah. I kind of wanted to watch it, but... One of those things ran out of time. Uh, but um, the only part of the movie I've ever seen is the part that's in Wally. Yeah. You uh, <laughs> you saved yourself two and a half hours. I'll just say that. <laughs> I will say I enjoy that film. All right, well, I guess Paul and I are different. You know, I kind of thought Paul did. I, I I'm not going to say like it's not going on any any high rankings or anything, but I don't know. Maybe it's just having a, a personal attachment to the musical. I can see that. Um, <laughs> All right, so best song original for the picture goes to Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head by Burt Bacharach and Hal David from Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. 
coming right back right at you. That's such a hey. weird song in that movie. <laughs> what? It, it just feels so out of place in the movie. And did anyone else see this movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. It's that's a great film. It does. It feels really weird in the scene that it's, it's in, but it just comes out I, of nowhere, right? <laughs> I, I also kind of like how it's just kind of a fuck you. It <laughs> <That> is true. <laughs> just rides around with her on the bike. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and this is a Bacharach and Hal David's third Oscar nomination and their first win. Best sound goes to Hello, Dolly. I have to keep saying this. There's an exclamation point. Yep, yep, that's a rule. Yep. Uh, best foreign language film goes to Zed from Algeria. Is it uh, Zed or is it just Z? Well, it's Greek. It's usually so they just say Z. Z, right? Yeah. It's, just about everybody but Americans say Zed. Yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> uh, and specifically in the film, they pronounce it Zed. So I'm going with the, uh, the film pronunciation of it. Uh, best costume design goes to Anne of a Thousand Days. Going to Margaret first, beating out our girl Edith Head for Sweet Charity. Uh, Best art direction goes to Hello, Dolly. Best cinematography goes to Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Best film editing goes to Zed over Midnight Cowboy. And best special visual effects goes to Marooned, beating out Krakatoa, East of Java. Uh, And we do not have any special awards of any sort tonight. No Gene Herschel, no Thalberg, no special awards. Mm. So, so I, I think um, I was wondering, and I was just looking up while we were sitting here. I think Zed is, yes, the first um, best foreign language film to be elevated to a best picture nomination. So, like with like being nominated in both categories. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Okay, because I was going to say, because our, our first foreign language film that got nominated was Grand Illusion. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that yes. is an interesting fact. Also, uh, Midnight Cowboy is the first X, the first and only X-rated film to win Best Picture, picking up an X rating because of its homosexual themes. Mm. But soon after, uh, it wins Best Picture and Best Director. The MPAA uh, wants knows that it's going to make a lot of money and they relegate it back down to an R so that it can get wider releases in 1971. All right. That's our Oscar breakdown. All right. So let's go ahead and talk about this movie. Let's talk about this movie. This movie. This movie. Uh, (laughs) Should we just take the elephant out of the room with the uh, F slur? (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, no. I mean, like, once again, it's... It's a product it's of the its time, time in that sense. But. So, Which is not something to forgive, but to at least right, right. give some sort of... So it's a product of its time, but the director of the film, John Schlesinger, is openly gay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, and the movie, had, I mean, it's not even like a, a tone. It is a topic in the movie of homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Like it and, is, and it always kind of feels like it's deflection. Yeah. Yeah. Every time it is used, it is used almost in a way where there is an undercurrent of denying one's own right sexual right. urges. Yeah. I haven't read this story it's based on, but apparently um main characters were lovers at one point in the story. It's where it's only sort of 
slightly hinted at here. They I think it's passed it off as more of a friendship, but I was yeah. gonna say I think it's heavily implied, especially when you get to the one scene where they're going into the like the Warhol esque party. Yeah. And um Joe takes his shirt to kind of wipe Rizzo's face down and Rizzo just kind of sl- slowly slides his hands around his torso. Yeah. yeah. Like that kind of visualization is pretty uh yeah. pretty over the top. And then but uh, apparently Schlesinger, like people asked him specifically about these two being gay, would just leave it alone. Kind of a mm. you you make the choice. Yeah. Did you think they were gay? Maybe. <laughs> then you're gay. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly didn't get that impression. Really? No, oh, yeah, it was there weird. Was... I didn't feel like they were really like a couple. So the main time I kind of started wondering was when he invited him to stay with me. And they kind of have that conversation of, do you want me to stay here with you? Mm-hmm. And at first I'm thinking, is he asking him if he wants him to, you know, stay here with you or just to be a roommate? And it almost seems like neither of them know what each other's talking about in that sense. So they're just like, yeah. Or, so it almost seems like they're both down for whatever. The, yeah, they're they're both skirting around like I could really use the companionship, whether it is a little more intimate or not. But yeah. But at the same time, I don't want to openly admit that just in case. Like, I'll kiss you, but I'm going to say no homo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's obvious that uh, Joe is battling some internal questions throughout the whole thing. Oh, really? Uh, With those uh, horrible (laughs) flashbacks. To the flashbacks. (laughs) (laughs) Because, all right, so the flashbacks came off a little jolty. I mean, I mean, I think that was the point was for them to be guilty, yeah. but it was more of like, what are you trying to do here? It just, I understand it was a story being told about Joe's back, kind of his backstory, but in a way that just wasn't done enough for me to go, okay, wait, so what happened? I'm only being able to pick stuff apart and go, all right, so he was with a girl, they got caught and apparently I don't know why people were not cool with it. And then did okay, he so get raped or something? Because I felt like that, that happened. That's heavily implied. Okay. Um, she definitely did. It's yeah. very heavily implied that he did. Yeah. Um, so she's kind of, uh, and I'm using this term as gingerly as possible, the town trollop. Yeah. Uh, she goes and has her, you know, guys just kind of have her way with them. And Joe is just the guy that falls in love with her. He's yeah. the one who yeah. looks her in the eye and kisses her as they are making love. And she tells him he's the only one. Yeah. So, all right. So here's where I got confused when it came to that. Okay. Because I almost took it like, when the cops got called about it that she said he was the only one that raped her well that i mean i think it showed that way when she's getting dragged away i don't know if they're like she's in trauma like yeah that's that's kind of how i took that um and also some of the 
you know, some of the the flashbacks aren't aren't very straightforward. Like when yeah. the he's having the one flashback and the cops are like marching towards him and Rizzo yeah. is in with the cops. You know, they're they're not all meant to be yeah, yeah. factual. Yeah. Event, uh, especially as he's kind of delved like he's slipping further and further into his own isolation and loneliness. Yeah. Um, and also was was the grandmother a whore? I think she abused him in some way. I I, I, th- I thought she. It felt like she she was too. a prostitute. I wasn't sure. I, I'm she pretty was sure a, she molested him. She she was a churchgoer. She was but, a hairdresser. Okay. I think she did something. What what I got from it was she did something that he was uncomfortable with, with that he saw when he was young, and maybe she punished him for. Well, I mean, it. she was in bed with him and a naked dude at one point. Yeah. So it's a lot, a lot of bad stuff going yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, which, which, you know, what brings up to the point that, I mean, a lot of this could be up for interpretation, especially when you come to the flashbacks. Like, yeah, you have a pretty solid story of what happened, but maybe like the meaning or even what specifically happened. Cause as you said, he's kind of delving, like he's, it's almost like the information is getting muddled in his own mind. Like it's gotten so warped on what's happened to him that Mm -hmm. we're only seeing what he sees, not what happened. We're not getting a flashback. We're getting him. Yeah. Yeah. So I think being able to interpret that is is a pretty interesting way of doing any kind of storytelling. Yeah. And, and I think it's, I think a lot of it's open for interpretation and you're not really supposed to know the full story, but you know, you get the, the one scene where he's, trying to convince Rizzo of how much women love him. And he's, he's like, you know, uh, crazy Annie. She loved me so much. They had to put her away. Mm -hmm. So you're just given these, these little snippets of everything that there's truth in there somewhere. Yeah. You just, it's up to you to figure out what it is. Yeah. And, you know, we're talking about the, the content right off the bat, but, um, I think just visually and, tonally compared to everything we've watched up to this point i i could see why it was considered so shocking when it like came out and oh yeah I, oh yeah it, like i, I can't mean, even you go a year this. after us talking about the haze code and you're like oh this movie just said fuck that yeah, <laughs> yeah. they're like haze code that's gone now all right let's go let's, let's go guys let's do it theater blowjob. <laughs> yep oh bob balaban <laughs> so so we kind of like Zach said, jumped into the content already, but I'm kind of wondering what everybody felt about this film. I know we usually start that way on. Did you like it? I love this movie. I, I want to give this movie a theater blowjob. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to give this movie a theater blowjob, but I would Pee Wee Herman this movie. Okay. I, that's fair i i liked it 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 definitely made me uncomfortable which means it caused emotion yeah which is important i think that's part of what makes a good movie and it's and it wasn't so much like i said it's nothing about the homosexuality but just the cringe of the main character (laughs) just made me go (laughs) fucking stop it dude (laughs) yeah why are you the way you are like I think and, we answered that already. Well, yeah. No. <laughs> but the cowboy thing, like it just made me go, 
Oh God, you were. That's like... that's him masking his masculinity, trying to push forward an image that he thinks he's supposed to be. Oh. You know, the whole John Wayne Americana. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just naming himself after a football commentator. Yeah, <laughs> Joe Buck. <laughs> he also does baseball. Ah, uh, yeah, you're right. He's also terrible at that too. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, Chris, you you sounded like you were a little on the uh, the edge there, but I so I don't know what to feel about this movie really because yeah. when I watched it, I never felt attached to anything, and that really matters a lot to me when I watch movies. Like, mm-hmm. how much does it? you know, affect me in that way. And you yeah. know, I want to come back to it. Um, I would say that like, it was an, it was a different story. I was really surprised the Oscars would even pick this movie, you know, as X rated, if you want to call it that as it is. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I didn't really feel much towards it. Like Joe Buck and uh, his name is Rico, right? Rizzo. Yeah. Rico Rizzo. Rizzo. Yeah. I don't know. I just didn't, Really I care. I, I get that, dude. Like, I get, usually you, there's somebody that you can find yourself in in a lot of film, and this one, I felt there. It opened up for representation for others. Oh, I think but not this, for me. If I had to go on a limb, I think this movie like influences a ton of movies that's going to come out later oh, yeah. on. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, I, I think it opens the door for darker to contact like i think what platoon wound wins later on yeah 80, movies like that um so i i applaud it for being you know the first of its kind in that way but yeah, i just it just didn't do much for me fair enough that's fair yeah yeah i um i can't say that i love the movie at least i don't have the maybe on multiple rewatches i'll, I'll get there but like Jonathan said, it's definitely uncomfortable. It's gritty. It's uh, in your face. Um, got psychedelia, sex, and violence. It's, it, it's it's got a lot. Yeah, well, and it's it's all made to be like because Joe Buck never shows as like an always cheery kind of guy by any stretch, but he still kind of comes off as a beacon of light mm-hmm. throughout the film that is in a very dark area. Like, I mean, there is nothing good going on, but this guy is like, we'll get there eventually. Maybe he's, we'll see. He's the eternal optimist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but who obviously has an issue with, cause you can even see like, uh, when he picks up that beer bottle, like he's he, that motherfucker is gonna throw that, but he he's able to kind of turn himself down and go, nope, nope, let's not do that. And I go, okay, so he's obviously, like I said, not an always cheerful guy, but is at least cognizant enough to know, hey, this is not the place or time. Until, well, <laughs> yeah, that yeah, I mean, that kind of <laughs> unfortunate. But but at the same telephone. time, here's here's the only like the only person that he's been able to truly connect with, who's basically a scumbag. Say what you will about Rizzo, he is, he is not a good person by any stretch. Oh no, he's no, a no. survivalist, and that's it. Like yep. y- you have to appreciate that, but there is not a redeeming quality for him. 
but it is the only person he's been able to connect to. And, you know, once again, open to interpretation, how far that relationship goes. If that is the only relationship you have, you will do everything you can for that person. So, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I love, I love the, the theme of their, their isolation and their loneliness yeah and how the radio the radio for them kind of becomes their conduit to the outside world yep yeah it's it's the only way that they can connect to the rest of humanity and then they go and pawn it for five dollars yeah that was so sad yeah it's kind of i never felt so sad over a radio (laughs) except for a brave little toaster i thought you were gonna say radio oh i'm I'm not talking about radio thank you very much don't pawn radio. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> <laughs> On multiple um, levels. If this one thing that I really did love about this movie uh, was the reality of it, like the harsh truth of going to New York and having this idea, you're like, I'm gonna be like a popular prostitute or whatever he's thinking when he gets there. <laughs> he just says yep. he's gonna get paid. Yeah, he's late. Like he doesn't it, even. He's like he's. I'm, there, there's easy women, there's rich women. Yeah, just and they're looking for dick. the cowboy type. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. And like, I love how it just hits them in the face and he just loses almost everything. And then yeah. they live in this dirty, condemned apartment. When he grabbed yeah. that pillow, I was just like, oh, ew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was such when, a gross scene. I'm sorry. When, when Rizzo uncovers that. that. Rizzo uncovers that cot and just kind of like pulls it out of the oh, room yeah. like, ew, don't lay on that. I was like, no, ew, go lay on the street. Yeah. Um, but I love that. I thought the, the shots were amazing for that, making it yeah. just so dark and gloomy. Oh, and then like when they finally go down to Miami, everything starts to brighten up. You're like, yeah. Well, maybe things are turning around for them. And now nah, he dies. No. <laughs> Wait, I mean, Comes to tuberculosis on a bus. (laughs) So rough. But it was also uh, that was the only part where I'm like, I mean, of course it was going to happen. Dustin Hoffman does not have good luck on buses. (laughs) (laughs) Stop taking the bus, dude. (laughs) Hello, darkness. His old friend, indeed. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I'm really impressed with his uh, his (laughs) death, though. I, I. one of the more realistic looking uh <laughs> yeah. there i thought yeah man they made him look sick oh like, yeah they, oh man he, he, looked, he just looked rough like in the yeah. beginning of the movie when you first meet him he kind of looks okay and then like you just see him deteriorate yeah further and further how long are they in new york too for a while yeah. because i remember at one point um oh they had mentioned like months had gone because like they get to winter at one point because yeah, I remember him saying, you know, well, I'm not going to be here till winter because I'm going to Florida. And yeah, then they get through winter because it's not yeah. snowing by the time they get on the bus. Yeah. So, so it, it could be like anywhere from like five to eight months. Like, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not exactly sure the timeline, but that seems about right. Yeah. yeah they, I like that. They do a lot of match cuts of like John Voight walking down the street and it flashes from like night to day to night to day to kind of yeah. and him listening to the radio instead of like interacting with people on the street. So yeah, you get the passage of time without him actually building relationships with anyone. Mm-hmm. 
Also, how did Joe Buck stay still so clean? Like, did anyone else notice that? Well, and I think that's why they had to bring him. It was like, you smell. Like, oh, really? Because he looks pretty good to yeah. me. Like, <laughs> like, where is he showering at? It. There, there's no shower in that building, well, right? Central <laughs> Park. He's, di- yeah. he's diving in the pond. Or the- but the thing is also, Rizzo has, like, a pretty clean suit at the beginning of the movie, too. He does, but Rizzo starts to look like he never jumped in the harbor, at least. Yeah. yeah and <laughs> Joe says he never washes his underwear. <laughs> uh. Of which he agrees to. Which is right. Interesting. <laughs> it's like, why? Why the fuck would I need to? I don't go anywhere. Oh well. <laughs> enjoy that, crusty. Um, you're my only is... friend, and it's not chasing you away. So why? Why give a shit? Yeah. What did Rico I mean, have? Did he have like uh, tuberculosis? Okay, I didn't catch that. Uh, I I don't ever mention it in the said, film. But again, I think it's said in the book that. It, yeah, tuberculosis. Uh, I, was, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, I was either guessing that or like maybe lung cancer or you know yeah. something like that. I, yeah. I mostly specifically know it because uh, at at this recording because I watched a bunch of the Criterion features and in a uh, tribute to John Schlesinger, uh, Dustin Hoffman mentions it specifically. Okay. Okay. So. And um, I'm sorry, did you say he was openly gay at the time the movie was made? Yes, uh, apparently on set, and again, Criterion features, on set, uh, people would refer to him as my queen. Okay, hmm. cool. Interesting. And he was, he was in an uh, open relationship with one of his production assistants, Oh, who they uh, spent 37 years together. Oh, oh that's nice. And... And there's a whole special feature on the criterion of just still shots that, that his lover took while on set. Oh, very nice. And it was narrated by yeah. him. So it was, yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah. I was worried you were going to say they had like a affair on set and he fired him, but that's a much happier. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm glad that a film with such dark material could, could produce such a, yeah, a, a happy ending for something. Yeah. You know, I I hate to you know frame everything through the lens of our current pandemic situation, but it felt like you know that that was something I could identify with as far as like them and their their crappy condemned apartment and their feeling of isolation and and, and every time Dustin Hoffman was coughing, I'm like, oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seriously, this pandemic has made me go like, cover your fucking mouth, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And like the first time he meets him, he's coughing without covering his mouth at all. Yeah. I'm like, oh god. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Out of curiosity, Paul, you said you loved it. What was the things that you really loved about it? Uh, again, I I love the themes of of isolation and false hope and uh, like dreamers' disease. It mm. it it all strikes a chord with me. Uh, as Zach said, uh, there's a lot of times where you can to personally inject yourself into a film to just to uh, recognize yourself in a character. Uh, I'm a scumbag like Ratso Rizzo. So uh, <laughs> that, that really helps. <laughs> so, you know, if there's a piece of shit in a movie, it's Paul fun. relates. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, look, Paul Paul, Paul's a piece of shit. <laughs> I, I, love a lot of the 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 cinematography is incredible the fact that the people on the streets of new york aren't extras they just shot everything through long lenses and 
hid the camera around New York while they had the actors just walk through and John Voight wasn't known by anybody. So nobody was trying to stop him and be like, Hey, aren't you that guy from that thing? And uh, Dustin Hoffman looks so unrecognizable from the graduate that nobody's stopping him. It, I, I love that kind of guerrilla filmmaking and it's, it works really well in this film. Mm. It does really add to the uh, realness, I guess. Like that, yeah. Uh, I did love that as well. I was kind of wondering if they just shot random people walking down the street or not too. I wasn't sure. Yeah. I'm trying to look up. Uh, I don't know if you watched that video I told you about uh, that I saw at the airport about the guy named Radio Man in New York. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you watch that? Yes, I did. I was wondering if he was in this one, but I'm uh, not seeing like what his first one I don't know. Been. Perhaps it predates him. Perhaps. Mm. All right, guys. Well, do we have any more notes? Um, one note I really like is that when Joe is being dropped off with his grandmother, he's uh, dressed as a soldier. Yeah. And then later on in the film, he says that she died without telling him. And they cut to him sitting on her condemned looking house with a for sale sign on it. And he's a soldier again. Was he a soldier? Because it looked like he was a delivery. <laughs> no, because he's got the he's got the beret like tucked in his, his shoulder. He, okay. Okay. Um, which, nice. is, which is a specific thing that soldiers do. Yeah. Um, or airmen or wherever he was navy serviceman um which i don't specifically know all the symbolism behind that but i picked up on it this time and it drives me crazy now and i gotta figure it out <laughs> uh, zach any uh, more notes oh go ahead Paul. sorry oh also uh you posted something in the group about this film i did about the song oh jesus fucking christ like it wouldn't. St- it was like it started. Like I, like I looked. I was like, if I have to hear the song one more time, and then I looked. And I was 17 minutes into the fucking movie, and I, I was specifically watching because I, I didn't watch this until after that. I was specifically watching it with that in mind, and how much uh, you're wrong. What? It it's played just as many times as it needs to be. It's I mm. know uh, it's so much. It's it's a it's a beautiful motif like, to talk not, about it's his not hope. The worst, but just Jesus Christ! It's, it's a beautiful motif to talk about uh, to represent his hope. Anytime you hear it playing, he's in a hopeful state of mind that something's going to be going right, and then he gets set back, but then he gets set back into his hope, and then so on and so forth. So then, by the time that you hear it again at the end, and they're on their way to Florida, he's hopeful for the first time since the first 17 minutes of the movie uh, and then his friend dies <laughs> like it's oops. it's such so, a good motif so really what i need to hear is the movie needs to not be around joe buck at fucking all because anytime he hears it or it's played I'm, my guess is now everything's in this dude's head so this, we're, we're listening to him hearing that song that, in his head and, and i mean that's 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 kind of how it plays with his radio and whatnot so yeah. That's that's a hundred percent plausible. Yeah. yeah, I didn't mind the use of the song. I just uh, it would have been nice to have another song or two on the soundtrack. I think, and then call back to that at the moments you talked about. Like if they'd gone two years in the future and brought back, you know, 
lime in the coconut and use that on the bus. <laughs> <or something. laughs> nice. Anyway, I, I think it's a beautiful motif and I'm fair happy enough. they put it in a thousand times. Okay, no, fair enough. I will say the song didn't bother me personally. I didn't really notice it even half the time. It was just like 15 <laughs> fucking times in the first 17 minutes. Well, I know it was that. just like started over again. <laughs> like, all right, I get it. Um, there's one more note. I actually did kind of like the drug scene in this movie. Oh, when yeah. he kind of starts to trip out. Yeah. yeah. I actually um, hate that trope in any other movie. Yeah. <laughs> Andy Warhol was supposed to be in this movie. Oh, really? <laughs> that scene is based on his loft. Hmm. Like they uh, said, it's almost a perfect recreation of his loft. And he was going to be in this movie. All of a lot of his uh, protégés and friends are all in this movie. Uh, but then he got shot. Oh, I mean, that'll stop. Was, yeah. Yeah. And then he was mm-hmm. laid up for about a year. Yeah. But, stop uh, Theodore Roosevelt. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, I mean, what did stop did Theodore know. Roosevelt? <laughs> I don't know. That man was Cert- certainly not his rampant racism. All right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. No, I'm done with notes now. Zach, you got anything? Um, I don't think I have anything specifically uh, yet. Nope. Okay. Cool. Well, let's go ahead and uh, Paul, what? Library of Congress. Oh yeah, Library of Congress. Uh, yeah. Yes. It, this is absolutely in the National Film Registry. If the three of you give me a year, please. Hmm. Chris, what do you think? It starts in 89, right? Yes. Correct. Okay. Well, go. I feel like it's a later one. I'll go 2007. I'll go 97. I was going to go 98. Zach's the closest, but none of you win the prices right. Uh, oh, wow. 1994. Wow. Really? Okay. Yeah. I guess I could see it for the. It's original rating at but, X, maybe. But the thing is, you can't see anything. Some of the shit they put in just like last year makes me fucking want to throw something. <laughs> so true. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. What, wait, what was last? I don't know. That was more no. hyperbolic, but I think yeah. within even I think wow, there was something that came. There was something last year, recently before, you guys yeah. were all shocked about. I'll, I'll go over when yeah. I'm done doing 69. I'll uh, I'll go down to the bottom. We'll talk. Yeah, thank you. Um, we'll we'll talk 2020 here in a second. Or okay. 2021. Um, yeah. Okay. It got in for the butts. The butts got it in in '94. That's right. Uh, all right. So our 1969 class are as follows: Brandy in the Wilderness, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Czechoslovakia, 1968, The Whole Country, the <laughs> documentary short subject, of course. Easy Rider, I Am Joaquin, short subject film. The Learning Tree, Medium Cool, Midnight Cowboy. My Name is Una, uh, Putney Swope. Oh, my Name is Una is a short subject experimental film. Putney Swope, Salesman, which is a documentary. Tom Tom, The Piper's Son. And uh, my favorite Western of 1969, The Wild Bunch. Uh, here, give me a second. We'll roll down to our most recent class of inductees. I have this set for the years of the films that were inducted and not the years that they were inducted. So let me flip that real quick. Okay, so it was uh, Suspense, Kid Auto Races at Venice, Bread, 
the battle of the century. All those are short subjects with car and camera around the world, which is a documentary cabin in the sky, which should have been in much earlier mm. outrage uh, man with the golden arm, which I think should have been in much earlier. Uh, Lilies of the fields was the one we were, we were My. really shocked about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think some of the Disney ones too, like Jonathan and Sleeping Beauty, right? Yeah, I think Sleeping Beauty was like super fucking late. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Clockwork Orange, Sweet Sweetback's badass song, and we'll be covering those here in two years. Uh, Watt Stacks, Grease, Blues Brothers, Illusions, Losing Ground, The Ground, The Joy Luck Club, The Devil Never Sleeps. Buena Vista Social Club, Shrek, Wanakia, Temple Under Siege, The Dark Knight, and Freedom Riders. There's also a Best Picture that got put in that <sighs> we haven't... There's also a Best Picture winner that I haven't said yet because it, we haven't covered Yeah, and I haven't looked either. I'm, I'm yeah. eager. Excited. Can't wait to find out. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay, Well, so that's all that. All right, thank you. Well, all right, so it's time to get into our worsty judgments. And Chris, we'll start with you, Chris. I'm used to hearing the uh, Law and Order. Yeah, Jonathan oh. doesn't. <laughs> no, it's um, it's not Law and Order. It's uh, oh. Night Court. Night oh, okay. Yeah, I think Law and Order for some reason. Jonathan never takes a long enough break in between it either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I still rarely listen to our own podcast, I don't know what draft puts in. I listened to the last one, though. But that was, that was, that was all about um, me. Well, I did watch all five uh, nominations. Okay, so, so uh, yeah, let's does do this it. deserve Best Picture? Do you want me to save me for last, or do you want me to, like... Well, you know what, I'd like to hear you and Paul go at it on this one. So, you know what, I'll start then. Okay. Okay. Uh, no, cool. I think Easy Rider beats this movie by a fucking mile. And Trav can eat a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Trav does not like Easy Rider, and I don't understand him. Easy Rider has some of the greatest dialogue in film history. And, yeah, there's Paul Paul Poinette is the Easy Rider there. Uh, You're going to take a drink. And, (laughs) again, not that this movie is bad. I like this movie, but I think Easy Rider just served Best Picture so much more than this one. Uh, It... They both had a feel of because I believe Paul, you had even brought up Easy Rider kind of being that like birth of new Hollywood, death of old Hollywood kind of movies. It's, I mean, Midnight Cowboys included in that too. Midnight, yeah, I think Midnight Cowboy takes a lot of strides towards that. Um, but yeah, Easy Rider is definitely a new Hollywood, like I just entrenched. Easy Rider, even if you don't like it, Easy Rider is like the Nirvana of film. It killed hair metal and it brought in something new. And I, I appreciate Easy Rider much more for it. Um, so, like I said, not a bad movie. I, I enjoyed it. It, it. it gave me emotions. It gave me some feels, but just Easy Rider is so much better. Zach. Okay. Well... <laughs> Easy Rider, I really wanted to watch. I just ran out of time. Maybe I'll watch it this weekend and, and catch up. Um, I have to... Let's see. Look at the best picture winners. Or the nominees. Um, I didn't get to see Anna the Thousand Days either. But I've seen... 
Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, I rate about even with this movie as far as how much I like them. Um, I think Wild Bunch is probably better, and and I'm kind of cheating here because I actually have a little bit left of the movie to finish when we finish here. But Zed for me is more of a um, kind of timeless and important film as far as the content where I think Midnight Cowboy is very important as far as filmmaking goes. Um, so I can understand what they're doing. Watching from a modern perspective, it seems like an odd pick. Um, I, th- I think Zed is a better movie. So that's my final answer. All right. Uh, Chris, do you want to go now or Paul? Or Well, why, so why don't we point? go together and okay. we'll discuss each of these. Uh, I'm, I'm going to start real quick with I did not watch Anne of the Thousand Days uh, just because I'm with Zach. I, I kind of ran out of time. My wife had surgery this week. I've been tending to her and uh, I watched a lot of community in that time. (laughs) (laughs) I have finished community again. So um, uh, I such a good comfort show. It is. It is really good. So it kind of set back my rewatch, my watch of parks and rec. Uh, (laughs) And unfortunately I got to watch bad batch. So it's, it's going to get set behind again. Um, So I didn't watch Anne of thousand days. Chris, how'd you feel about that film? Um, at this current time, I think it might be my number four, if we're going to go ahead and rank them. Yeah, um, My number five is going to be Hillel Dolly. I honestly did not like that movie at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to set it at my number four for the time being, having not seen Anne of a Thousand Days, so it just takes a placeholder at five. Um, but yeah, it, it's a little overlog. It's, I would say it would probably be better if you cut it like an hour. Like, <laughs> I, I know that sounds extreme, but the sequences and the dances and just the I, songs weren't even that interesting. You're not a big musical guy, though. Right? I'm not, but, like, I really wanted to give this movie a shot. You know, I don't care what movie it is, but genre, I'll watch it, give it a shot, and if it's good, I'll, you know, I'll say it's good. But Yeah, hell yeah. I honestly thought this was bad. I think the only thing that was really redeemable was Barbara. Um, Babs is really good. I love Matthew in this film, though. I think he's so fun. He wants to leave this movie every chance he can. I, that's the it impression does. I got from it. And, and it, but it works for his character because it does. Like, Matthew feels like he wants to leave the movie, but his character wants to wants leave the to movie. Leave the movie. Like, <laughs> I don't want any of this frivolity. You could keep that shit to yourself. Stop all this dancing. <laughs> I'm Walter Matthew. Um, I actually. I liked him in that sense, but it just wasn't enough to hold this film together. I, I completely um, understand that. Like Gene Kelly, who directed this film, uh, really, really put an emphasis on the dancing of Jonathan. I know how much you did not like the extended dance sequence of West Side Story. <sighs> Imagine if they were weirder and longer. And yeah. that's Hello Dolly for you. No, I'm good. <laughs> Especially when it, like, when it gets to the, before the first per- intermission, they get to the parade song. Yeah. I swear it's like a 15 minute song. <laughs> <laughs> it goes on uh, forever. And then the, the title song, Hello Dolly, that whole scene oh just keeps going. Gosh. And then just when you think it's about to end, fucking Louis Armstrong. There he goes. <laughs> 
oh no, stop. <laughs> they did the entire song over with Louis Armstrong. Well, and then wow. like the waiter song, it just felt so shoved in there. And it's like, there was like one funny scene that I really laughed at though. Yeah, and that was, I called the duck hut scene. Maybe you remember um, quickly. Yeah. These, these couple are at a table. They're trying to get their food. They keep getting screwed over. Eventually a waiter comes over and he lets them pick a fish. And then he pulls another tank. He lets them pick a lobster. And then they pull out this tray and the waiter lifts the lid and these four ducks go flying out. <laughs> the guy picks the duck. The waiter picks up a shotgun out of nowhere and he shoots the duck. <laughs> I legit just laughed like a straight minute. I, I don't know if it's because <laughs> I was bored so at that point or what. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, yeah. I think Gene Kelly just went a little overboard. It, it's this is what happens when when you let choreographers direct the movie, yeah. <laughs> which is of course what you get with Jerome Robbins crow directing West Side Story. But West Side Story has some of the most impressive dancing on film, and it's gorgeous. Just. Film just goes on forever. Okay, so what's uh, I, your number three? My number, well, number four, real quick with Anne. Oh, okay, go ahead. Um, it's very stilted, to be honest. Like the acting's not too bad. Um, I wanted to say Anthony Quayle, I think his name is, plays Wolseley. Um, honestly, really good. Richard Burton plays King Henry VIII, and I did enjoy his performance. Oh gosh, I'm going to butcher her name. But the person that plays Anne, I really liked. Uh, um, Genevieve Bejold? Yes. She, I think I she was nominated for an Oscar, too. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of an actor's movie. There's not a lot of shots that are look good or anything. It's kind of boring. And sometimes the dialogue is just expo- exposition. <laughs> um. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone necessarily, but it's not the worst. Yeah, I, I got a copy of it. I just haven't watched it. I went and saw The Suicide Squad and, again, watched essentially three seasons of Community in a few yeah. days. Because <laughs> <laughs> those last three seasons are only 13 episodes apiece, so they yeah. were pretty easy to get through. Um, My number three is going to be Zed. Um, it's my number three. Maybe- Maybe it's because it's the subtitles and it took me a while to really get used to it. But for like the first 40 minutes, I didn't know what the hell was going on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I watched literally everything with subtitles. So, and that's the way it's been since I got my first DVD player back in 2000. So it's just been <laughs> 20 years ago. Because I couldn't find good subtitles. <laughs> this one was French, right? Uh, um, yeah. Their was, native was, language. Yeah it, yeah, it took me a while to really pick up in their voice and the subtitle. You know, it, it, it's that weird mix. Okay. Um, but, like, once you get past the first 40 minutes, it felt like a Law & Order episode <laughs> to me. Yeah, there, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of setup for a really good, essentially, like, procedural drama. It's interesting. Which uh, I really did like. Um, once it got to that point say something more about it <laughs> so i think um also the, the camera work in zed was really interesting is it it reminded me a lot of like the big shorts for like vice I, I don't know if you got that feel or not but hmm. okay so so you're saying uh it it gives that late adam mccabe feel yeah did, um, did you get that or not yeah i can i can see how adam mccabe could be inspired by stuff like this this is a uh, 
this is very European new wave to me. So mm-hmm. this is just a, mm-hmm. a lot how most European films around this time feel just with all those hand like cam and yeah, real, yeah. real low film quality, but real, real stilted angles and uh, crash zooms. And yeah, it, it's, it's a beautiful looking film. Um, Good, I'll say that. Uh, my number three is actually Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Hmm. Okay. Which, which I love. I mean, right now we're, we're in the top tier. Like these are all four and a half, five star films for me at this point. And I think Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is a gorgeous film about the, it was just essentially a gorgeous film about the death of old Hollywood. Hmm. <laughs> um, my two That's and one, and I, I mean, my two and one were really, Torn. Um, I think I would go two at Midnight Cowboy, and then one Butch Cassidy. Yeah, I really loved Paul Newman and uh, Pants. Oh, what's his name? Shit, Robert Redford. Robert Redford. <laughs> oh, they're so yeah. good, and I can't wait because we're going to be doing the Sting in a few, like four years. Oh yeah, that's such a good film. Same director. I remember, watch, too. I remember watching that movie, not having the greatest opinions of that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, Butch Cassidy, I, I connected the movie a lot. You know, I was able to like these characters. I liked the journey. Um, and then I also looked up, you know, to see how close it was historically. And then seemed like it was fairly accurate to that. Yeah. Um, In that cowboy, it's, I love what it did. I love what it's going to inspire and what's going to come after it. But I just don't see myself ever really watching this movie again. Um, as opposed to like Butch Cassidy, where I could probably watch it a few more times. I enjoyed it that much. Yeah. 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 I feel I feel very similar with that. I I, I do like Butch Cassidy a lot. I think some of the editing is a little weird. Maybe it's um just of the time or that it hasn't aged well to my mind, but Still a good movie. Yeah, and I th- I think it's trying a lot of things, and it's it's yeah. trying to, like I said, it's it's a film that's essentially about the death of old Hollywood, where mm-hmm. where we're at once like lamenting the passing of such a loved genre. I mean, like westerns pretty much ruled Hollywood from from like the nineteen tens. It was one of the first things we put on film to this point the big heroic Westerns are, are massive uh, genre that everybody just kind of goes to and loves their, the superhero films of today, but for decades at this point. Yeah. And uh, this, like this film holds them in reverence, but at the same time is trying to take the language of that and flip it to where your main characters are no longer these big mythic heroic figures instead they're the scumbags and Mm -hmm. uh the wild bunch essentially does the same thing this year where it just takes this group of 'er ne'er-do-wells and makes them your protagonists and i mean i think the wild bunch personally does it better it's probably one of my top five favorite well it is one of my top five favorite westerns maybe my number two or three uh they're just incredible films, both of them. And I love Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids so much, but I, my number two is Midnight Cowboy as well. Hmm. I think it's an important piece of cinema. It is a 
um, it pushes forward queer cinema into a new stratosphere because where the themes of this, I mean, we've, we've covered films where the books talk about homosexual yeah. themes and they're cut out of the films, yeah. something like from here to eternity had a whole right. subplot with uh, the commander and his gay lover, And that's just absent from the film. So the fact that, that we even get so close to watching Bob Balaban starting to go down into John Voight's lap is just yeah. so <laughs> far ahead of that. And it's, yeah, it, it's, it's an incredible piece of cinema and I think it's, it's beautiful. And then Zed's my number one. Uh, it blew me away. I'd never seen it before. I'm sad that it took me this long to see it. And I'm glad I did because Man, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah, I got that. <laughs> oh, especially. God, it's so depressing. <laughs> at, at the end of that movie, cover my like, ears everyone die? I didn't quite understand that. Like, yeah. he's giving like the news report, the photographer, and then like it changes to someone else saying that all those characters were dead. I think I didn't. Essentially, quite understand yeah, the they're ending. they're they're all just routinely taken out i'm gonna okay. give zach a thumbs up and let him know he come back and we're gonna stop talking about this right now oh oh my bad <laughs> that's fine he, that's why that he's... Fine. as soon as i heard you say the end i was like oh <laughs> yep. yeah. i'm um, gonna literally finish that when we get done here. yeah please do finish that because man it that's a good ending uh mm-hmm. so anyway um so the question is chris do you think midnight cowboy deserves best picture it might not be my favorite movie from that year as the nominations, but yeah, I think, I think it totally deserves it. I absolutely agree. This is a gorgeous film and I love it to death and uh, it deserved best picture and easy writer is like right here for me, Jonathan. Fair enough. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's go ahead and ask myself, Hey, Jonathan, <laughs> is this the worst best picture? No, no, no. it's not, not at all. Uh this is definitely well above the middle of the road. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably put it in my top 15, maybe. Um, I, there are definitely things that I enjoy personally more, but as I'd said, the fact that this is able to pull as much emotion and whether they're good emotions or bad, I, I, I find that to be very important in a movie. And this, this does it in spades. So yeah, this is definitely not the worst best picture. Zach, what do you think? Uh, and let's just replay what you just said because that works for me. Yeah, it's in my top fifteen. It's not the worst, and uh, yeah, I'll just echo your sentiment. I enjoyed it. Um, I like it, but also like Chris said, I'm not. Sh- it's one of those movies where like I'm glad I watched it. I'm not sure that I'll wa- rewatch it anytime soon, but who knows? Sure. Paul, uh, no, uh, this is nowhere close to the worst. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of with you guys in the, the rewatchability is not high for me, but mostly because it's just a hard film to watch. It's, yeah, it's like, right. it's yeah. on par with like Requiem for, yeah, I was about to say, it's pretty close to Requiem. Like where it's, it's I don't just think like, it's that bad, but man, do I just want to be depressed today? Do I, do I want to cry at <laughs> Dustin Hoffman dying on a fucking bus again? God, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. That just didn't bug me at all. 
it I think just because you knew it was coming the entire movie just yeah not not the entire like i think once you knew they were friends and he started coughing like hey look he's gonna die i think that's why it did hit me so hard uh it kind of kind of like the film Fruitvale Station where you watch the main character get shot at the very beginning of the movie, but then you go back through and watch his day and every decision he makes, you just hang on to just make a different decision right now. (laughs) Please, please. I know what's going to happen and I just want you to change it. I just want this to change. (laughs) And it wrecks me every time. It is my new number 10. Nice. Okay. Very nice. It is right under All Quiet on the Western Front and right over in the heat of the night. The cracker smack and good time itself. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, Chris, is this the worst best picture? No. No. Um, I'm not on par with you guys and all the older ones. I want to get back to someday and just start with wings and go all the way through. I've seen some of the older ones like Gone with the Wind or Casablanca or whatever. Um, which, I mean, Casablanca is great. Don't get me, I didn't mean it like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But no, it's not the worst. In the ones that I've seen, maybe Crash, you know, and when I think about like some of the worst <laughs> best pictures, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely not the worst. <laughs> um, Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Well, Chris, thank you very much for joining us, man. Oh, yeah, man. Fun. Thanks yes. for coming by. Excellent. I could totally come on for a '90s show because that's where my wheelhouse starts, dude. Same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah. Well, uh, uh, I I know we got a couple of them taken already, but we'll we'll discuss with you wait, what we can get you on for. Do you have like the Shakespeare and Love one taken? Nobody's taking it. We I'll will do because I've never it. seen the movie and. I probably have some strong opinions. I think that was the one that Paul was that one you haven't seen either. Oh no, no I've seen Shakespeare because I, like, I remember. Let's a, don't show our hand during Drinking Age There's, movies. I remember we talked about it that year, and we were like, "What the fuck? Why does this movie like have everything?" Because we talked about Saving Private Ryan on the yeah. show. Yeah, should have won Best Picture. We'll get back to that, but uh, no, I've seen Shakespeare in Love. There is one film in the '90s I haven't seen. But since, like, starting the year after that movie, I've seen every best picture. So yeah. <laughs> it's all kind of dried up then, because that's around the time that I get into watching the Oscars. So I am cognizant of what's nominated for best picture, and I start going out of my way to watch everything I can. Yeah. Also, if you want to watch a, a good crash, see the Cronenberg crash. Oh, yeah. Completely see different. See the Cronenberg crash. <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah, I wanted to personally thank you, Chris. I mean, I, we I think you're one of our top uh, interactors on on our Facebook. So, do you get that top fan badge yet? I don't. No one gave <laughs> it to me. Or I got Facebook if hands I can that out to you. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I got to see it. I don't even know if we activate that. So, we, if if I can, I will. Yeah, we'll we'll look into that so we can get you a top <laughs> fan badge. No, I um. The show that you guys are doing, I really do love. Um, something I, like I said, I wanted to do for a really long time. I just keep putting it off. You know, <laughs> I want to see like all the best picture winners and make a decision. You know, like and see where yeah. the changes were and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's it's been a real fun journey so far. I'm I'm excited to yeah. get going and to when we have like cognizant memories of the Oscars. Yeah. 
Indeed. Oh man, the nineties are gonna be wild when oh, you guys get. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, I can't <laughs> wait. I can't eat. Maybe what's the worst one in the nineties? What Forrest Gump or Dances with Wolves? Or <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah, we're gonna find <laughs> out. We'll if, get there. Right now, if I put my money on it, it's it's Shakespeare in Love. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, all right, bring but, me on the show. But, I'm ready for this. <laughs> but of course, there's one I haven't seen. Uh, and one of our former guests said that Dances with Wolves is his least favorite. So I'm, oh, I'm I mean, excited to get there. Not very good. <laughs> Manny? <laughs> no, uh, Tim. Okay. All right. Well, did you have anything you'd like to uh, plug or any? No, I don't think any so. social medias you like people is to this know. This is where you guys do your decade wrap up too. This is oh, it's 1969. Oh, crap. Thank you, man. Wow. I didn't even think <laughs> about that. I've had a very long week, so yeah, uh, yeah. Top listener too, I guess. Look, <laughs> look at you calling us out on our stuff. Yeah. Also, so. and Paul didn't ask me about cats. <laughs> oh, I, I, mean, I haven't been doing that. This, 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 I know, this, but like it's, this show, it was but such a great. Have you seen cats? No, I haven't. Okay, you need to see cats. It's no, a don't. masterpiece. <laughs> a masterpiece. It is. You're gonna get him fucking singing again, goddamn! <laughs> it is the. I'm just gonna say this. We have talked about two Idris Elba movies on this uh, episode so far. Cats is the best one. No, between. Jesus Christ, dude. Okay, you know what? <laughs> I might have to stop you. <laughs> it was so much better than the Suicide Squad, which is fine, but not a masterpiece. I hate you okay. so much. What? So oh, now, now we're <laughs> so thankfully a listener was on this episode, so we're going to talk about our decade wrap up. We're going to leave all that in here, um, and so I can remind everybody: these are the films that have won in the 1960s. We start with The Apartment, West Side Story, Lawrence of Arabia, Tom Jones, My Fair Lady, The Sound of Music, A Man for All Seasons, In the Heat of the Night, Oliver, and Midnight Cowboy. So, Jonathan, I ask you, is this the worst decade of Best Pictures? <sighs> no. It is definitely the most musical. That's fair. Um and I think this is the decade that started to bring in the epics. Um, but is it the worst? No, not even close. Um, I still think the 40s have been pretty bad mm. comparatively. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Zachary no, McCoy. <laughs> Hi there. Is this the worst I'm... decade of Best Pictures? I don't think so. I I'm I'm still kind of sticking with the 30s. Um I I like this decade for the most part. So, you yeah, would. No. <laughs> Chris, I don't really have an answer, but if I had to go through the, you know, all the shows in my mind, I feel like the 60s has been a pretty top-notch decade for you guys. Yeah. I mean, if I had to say the worst, I mean, like, maybe the 30s so far. But, but the 30s had hooray bubbles. No, the 20s, 20s had the hooray bubbles. So the 20s, 20s had the hooray bubbles. Yeah, yeah 1929 is the best decade then. <laughs> <laughs> it, it would be if Broadway Melody weren't right there. <laughs> God. It is, a, it is literally a 50% decade. 
All right. I guess I'll ask myself if this is the worst decade. No, so far, I think this is the strongest decade we covered. There is literally a a bad best picture in the 1960s. Tom Jones comes so close. Tom Jones is brilliant. It comes close. So Tom Jones is a one or two missteps away from being a bad movie. Uh, I I think you mean one or two missteps away from being a perfect movie. Look how good that (laughs) film is. It's so good. Let me take another drink with your criterion there. Oh, I'll mm-hmm. keep bringing them out. Here's the one. Zach here's the one that so Zach well. recently bought me, my darling Clementine. <laughs> for, some, for some reason, I just have twelve angry men sitting here. I don't know why. No? <laughs> yeah, I I think uh, you know I do not really care much for Tom Jones. Obviously, we talked about that on the episode. I I think it's the weakest best picture winner of the decade, but it's still an okay movie. But the all the other decades have had pretty bad winners tom jones had boobs. Uh, that's it tom jones had a reverent heart and spirit and is very funny it is one of my f- favorite films of that year if not my favorite film of that year uh yeah the only one that i would put down as close to being bad is man, man for all seasons. seasons yeah which was just boring if it wasn't yeah. for the beautiful robert shaw it would probably have been a very bad movie indeed. Um, But everything else I absolutely love in this decade. And uh, yeah, the thirties is still the worst for me. Fair enough. Um, One other thing I found on Wikipedia I found was pretty interesting was about 1969 is the amount of people that came out in film debuts this year. Would you like to hear some names? Oh, please. So Bob Balaban started this year Mm -hmm. with Midnight Cowboy. Ed Bagley Jr., David Bowie in The Virgin Suicides, uh, Sam Elliott, this was his first movie with Butch okay. Cassidy, Farrah Fawcett in Love is a Funny Thing, Bridget Fonda in Easy Rider, uh, Melanie Griffith in Smith, uh, Ian McKellen started in 1969 with A Touch of Love, mm. Al Pacino in Me, Natalie, John Savage and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Hercules in New York. Oh, oh and also, was that 1969? That was 1969. Also, wow. a uh, Mr. Christopher Walken started with me and my brother. Oh. So oh. 1969 was kind of a fucking year. Oh, I'm sorry, and Michael Emmett Walsh, too. Ooh. Oh, M. Emmett Walsh? Yeah. Love M. Emmett Walsh. He was in Midnight Cowboy. Oh. Was he? Yeah. Uh, was he... Oh, was he the guy that uh, Rizzo brought uh, Joe Buck no, to? No, no, that was, no. Uh, oh God, what's his name? John McIver? Who was, he? Who was he in Midnight Cowboy? He was... Oh, he was just a bus passenger, uncredited. Okay. So, made, my, yeah. made a huge statement. Right. <laughs> I bet he was a gawker when Rizzo died. <laughs> Oh, Unless he might have been one of like the singing guys at the beginning of the movie. Maybe. Um, <laughs> there's also... Jeez, uh, what was his name? Uh, man, my fucking computer does not want to work today. Naughty! All casting crew. Uh, the bartender 
in the bar that Joe and Rizzo meet in is a, a black actor that's been in a ton of things named Paul Benjamin. I knew his first name was Paul, but I couldn't remember oh. his last name. Paul Benjamin, who is uh, one of the old men in uh, Do the Right Thing. Oh, nice. Hmm. Very nice indeed. Yeah. So, uh, I'll have. I'll, yeah. Okay. So. Indeed. All right. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and call it here again, Chris. Thank you very much for being with us, sir. Yes. Thank you so much. (laughs) Hell yeah. And my name is Jonathan Pierce. You can find me on Twitter, Twitch, and TikTok at Altorn underscore Occam. Zach, where can we find you? Find me on Critiker at Zachmaster, X-A-K-K-M-E-S-T-E-R, or TikTok at House Havoc. And you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Letterboxd, where I keep a running tally of all the films I watch and a list of my rankings of Best Picture at Father of the Fear across all platforms. And Zach, what are we watching next week? Next week, we're watching Paul's favorite George D. Scott in Patton. He's an era all to himself. George Cuth Scott. Which you can rent on uh, Apple TV, Google, Voodoo, YouTube, or stream on Amazon. All right. We'd like to thank Trav from our sister podcast, Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks, for producing our show. We'd like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. We'd like to thank Megan and Jay Bellevue for our beautiful artwork. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Oscar Pod and on Facebook at the Oscar Worsty Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast uh, and on uh, things. Then leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts <laughs> and Stitcher. It really helps us to be seen in the almighty rhythm of Al Gore. The rhythm of Al Gore. Jonathan. <laughs> for Jonathan. Zach, Chris, Joe Buck, and Ratso Rizzo. Uh, sorry, Rico. <laughs> Good luck for you all. Have a damn fine day. <laughs>